Welcome back, Bobby. Good to talk to you again. Hey, Bill. How you doing? What I'm curious about is um, your thoughts about intellectual property. It is something that's being bandied about, not just the comic book business, but movies, television. What is it? Who needs it? Um, well, the, the creator benefits from it, um, and I guess. But, um, but how, how do we define it? <laughs> well... I guess it's when you uh, pretty you sell off the not sell off, but give the rights to your something you've developed. So I guess intellectual property is just a ten dollar word for an idea. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah, more than ten dollar word though. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Nowadays, yeah. uh, even if you're TV show or movie never gets made, you can wind up making a good bit of money. So an intellectual property is simply your concept, your project, your idea. I mean, it's not enough to talk, meet the movie executive in the elevator and say, I've got this great idea for a movie. They're not going to buy that, actually, as many people want you to think that's going to happen. But yeah. so they want something that's developed, okay? That's and the they want something that is on paper. Mm-hmm. They're not going to talk to you unless you have an agent. Probably, yes. But one, that's one of the great things about creating comics is when you create a comic book, uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to be a top 10 seller. But if you can bring that project in front of people who are looking for intellectual property, you don't only really have the idea for your story and the characters. You've got, you've got your plot. You have your setting, you have your um, dialogue, you have your costuming. Everything is there on the page. Yeah, I mean, what it does, it, it saves um, the companies a lot of development time and a lot of development money to put into a show, you know, to find out all this. But, I mean, in recent years, I mean, right now, uh, Warrior Nun, if I've been done, he made a hundred and something issues of the comic which I had no clue there was that many copies. Um, yeah, Ben is very prolific when he... Yes. And, you know, they're using a lot of the characters from the series and the different issues and stuff like that. Um, that that's a, that was a nice IP that come out for Netflix. Um, I, think, I think the biggest thing now is we have so many places out there looking for properties who may not want to dump money on development. You have Netflix That's, and Prime and uh, uh, Max, uh, HBO Max. You got all these places looking for content. Well, and it's so, becoming quite quite competitive because you used to have three major networks. You had, you know, maybe half a dozen different movie companies, but there's only so many movies are going to be released in a year. It was right. a really narrow window, but you still have all of that. But all of these streaming services are dependent on turning out original content, and they're yes. looking for ideas. And the, and, com and the cool thing about comics, I'm let me cut you off there, um, is is that so much of the costuming and the development and stuff is done. You know, they get a good I idea of whether it works for what what they're selling there. Old so, Guard is one of the most um, successful recent movies to be on Netflix, I based on a graphic based on did, a graphic novel. Did you read the graphic novel? I did not. I did not. I do have it set aside, okay. and I have not read it yet. Okay. But okay. Greg Rucka is a old favorite. I've got, you know, almost all of his, his books, but that's one I just haven't got around to reading. Mm -hmm. And 
But that one graphic novel turns into one of their most successful movies. Right. He's got a sequel to the, the graphic novel, so it could easily become a series of movies yeah, rather, but, rather than a TV series. But yeah, how many but, people who but, watched that movie knew that it was based on a comic book property? How many people watch any of them and realize that unless it's a spawn or something like that, that's such in public eye. I think a lot. I think like Warrior Nun, most people probably don't have a clue that was a comic book. Um, no, I think the public perception is still if it's, it has to be a superhero to be connected to comic books. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, my friend Bo Smith, Wyona Earp. There it is. He did graphic novels. He had series at different publishers. And then finally he gets lands the TV show. Um, there's an IP that went around different places, was developed into a great show. Most people don't have a clue that it was a comic first. Now the hardcore Erpers, they know because they yes. you know, they found Bo and they've found a different thing. I think in, in the store you've got a few of them that comes in over there. Oh yes. Uh, very hardcore, very, you know, uh, very excited about it and to spread the word about it and to get other people to watch it and devastated when season four was delayed. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's an IP that's been passed around and passed around and, and finally was developed. I mean, but a lot of them never make it in development. Um, before the well, show, we we're talking about Billy Tucci, Billy Tucci. I know I've talked to him. He's optioned. She so many times for films and the project never gets off the ground. This happens year after year after year. Well, the bad news for Billy there is the She movie has, that he would love to see has not been made. The right. good news is every time he options it, okay, that's a tens of thousands of dollars figure that he gets in option money every time. Mm-hmm. And when that option runs out, someone else picks it up and he gets paid again. So he's made a good bit of money, even though that's never been made. Right, right. Now, he would still much rather get to see the movie made and get people to enjoy the character, you know. Yeah, I, I truly think at this point he'd rather see the movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so far, you know, he's sort of revitalized. She, um, he's using the crowdfunding thing, so he's got some things going. He's got new stories going. Um, they just wrapped up one. He's already deep in the, you know, doing the next one. So I'm sure at this point, $10,000, he'd rather see a movie. You know, take this into another arena. Right. Um, but it does show you how once you have a viable intellectual property, it stays viable like decade after decade. A she movie has not been made. It doesn't mean that one won't be made next year. Oh, right. And very mm-hmm. successfully. You know, so the fact that the Hollywood machine can't get it made doesn't mean that it will not happen. We know of so many projects that have been in development literally for decades before they finally break out okay Mm -hmm. and actually happen jeff smith's um bone is going to be an animated series at netflix oh okay yeah i saw that that looks great in 1988 uh walt disney company offered him 10 million dollars cash to buy bone and to make him to me they wanted to make a movie and he turned them down (laughs) because he turned them down cold because they would have owned the character Right. And he did not want to give up ownership to his character. Right. And my that's daughter, hard to do. Mm-hmm. My daughter, Katie, saw Jeff on her eighth birthday. <laughs> and he was arguing with some uh, some adults, okay, who were, like, telling him he was foolish to turn down that kind of money. And then he saw her waiting in line and realized that she actually wanted to get her own book signed. And he apologized to her for 
and you probably don't even understand what I'm saying. And she says, yeah, I do. Disney wants to buy you bone and you don't want to sell it. <laughs> you said, well, well, do you think I should sell it? She's like, it's your character. If they want a character, they should make their own. Uh, and he like turns Katie. to the people he's arguing with and says, she, look, she's eight years old. She gets it. Why don't you? <laughs> right. But he held out for decades, okay, mm -hmm. to get the deal that he wanted. So it's going to be made with traditional animation. He still will own Bone, and they will not put a Britney Spears song in to make it more commercial. Right. That was actually in the works at one point. Oh, my gosh. But he well, turned aren't the, they coloring Bone now? Uh, Bone has been out originally done in black and white because he was publishing it as a shoestring from his own publishing company. Right. And Scholastic picked it up as one of the their first forays into young adult graphic novels. And it made so much. They put it out in color and okay. it's formed an entire new business for, you know, right now, young adult graphic novels are people. If you're doing that and you have a viable project, you need an agent and you can make a hundred thousand dollar deal you know and there's bidding wars for young adult graphic novels from really? multiple companies because mm. it's become a, it was all based on the sales of bone all right but right. it continues to be one of the fastest growing categories in young adult novels and and um you know school libraries and so yeah they're incredibly uh, valuable properties and so much of it goes back to Jeff Smith. You know, he didn't create Bone as a young adult novel. He never thought that's what it was going to be. Right. But it worked for that market. That's but again, over 30 years, okay, before he's getting the, the TV show, the animation he'd like to see. Uh, David Mack has been trying, uh, been optioning Kabuki for so long. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there's news comes, yes, no, it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. But the fact that they have established these properties, they have a visual look to them, okay? Right. You know, sometimes you're playing the long game, but it, when it pays off, it really pays off. Yes. Yes, it can. And, you know, it just gives so much exposure to the property. I mean, um, have you watched the Todd McFarlane documentary? No, yeah. not yet. You need to. I've already watched it three times. Three times? Um, yes. Um, not simultaneously on three different screens, just three separate mm -hmm. times. I hadn't thought of that. I should try that. Um, no, three separate times. I've recorded it, and it, Todd can be bocious, and but you have to, as a creator, you have to admire his determination. You know, he wanted a comic, he wanted a movie, and he wanted a video game. Um, all that comes across in this documentary. It's, it's well done. Well done. It follows the uh, the publication of Spawn 300. And it's like, I'd say you need to go check it out. Now, it's not an IP, but in his eyes, he needed to. Well, I mean, yeah, he didn't make the movie. He, he you know, not sold Spawn out, but he let it out for a um, movie. And then he oh, yeah. did the Spawn game, which a friend of mine did a bunch of artwork for. But then Spawn has also showed up in a few other games, um, like Soul Calibur and stuff like that. So these are IPs developing um, for it. So, but his his drive in, in doing this and staying involved in the project and everything is just unbelievable. But like you're saying, um, the Spawn IP, the intellectual property, has appeared in animated, in live action, 
films and video games and toys, you know, and this yes. is all based on the on the intellectual property of Spawn. Okay. Yes. Yes. Now, one thing that Todd and everyone else had to decide is when I let someone else make an animated film, like a movie, how much control am I willing to give up? Right. Because that is, to this day, is a huge debate. Now, Jeff Smith turned down project after project because he didn't want a little kid's thing with music. He didn't want it to turn into a musical. He said it didn't work right. for Spawn. That's not what it was about. Okay. Right. But you can't have complete control, especially when on a first project. Okay. Now, um, Bo Smith does not have complete creative control over Winona Earp. No, no, he don't. Not the TV show. He doesn't. No. Mm -hmm. But they do respect his input sure. as the creator, and they mm -hmm. do listen to him. But think about, uh, so far there's been three seasons of a TV show. That covers so much more than he ever wrote for the character. Yes. You have yes. to do new material for a television program. Greg Rucka um, licensed you know, his intellectual property, Stumptown, Mm -hmm. uh, about a private eye in um, Portland to ABC. They've had one successful season and they're going on to another. Right. Someone asked him, like, well, are, are they going to be creating new stories for the television series? He says they have to create new characters, new stories. We right. adapted the first graphic novel for the pilot episode. Mm -hmm. We didn't have enough material from the first graphic novel to do a one-hour TV episode. Right. We had to add material to make that one hour of television so of course we have to add things okay but he was happy that the people respected his basic concepts for the character his initial ideas for the character right. knowing they'd have to come up with new stories new plots okay of course now something we've been going on from comics to movie comics to movies comics to movie tv show blah 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 there's other ways to do ips too um you could develop a project and then offload the publishing of a project um i did that with stormquest um back in the 90s and i uh had developed a superhero series had majority of the first issue done had so i had enough developed that i could show it around and had a company that was looking for a a project to put out but um and they needed also to make copies for fulfill an outreach program that they were putting together. An outreach program included a bunch of image comics. I thought it was cool. I said, hey, what better way to get exposure outside of comic shops, you know? Definitely. Um, so I signed up for it with all six issues. Now, we, we held on to the rights that we handled full production, which is what they wanted. They didn't want to take on more production work or anything. So we ended up working with all the creators. We'd handled all the production. We gave the finished print files to the printer. They handled the printing in, distribution in, solicitation in, um, the fulfillment on it. And it was cool. I had hoped that there would be more. Um, but at the time, I mean, image was booming. Things were crazy. Um, it just, it wasn't realistically, as I look back, I was like, eh, you know, we got some exposure out of this. Boom. That was it. Of course, then what you do is you sign your your IP up for three years, five years. Right. So um, the property actually sit there with the publisher for five years. 
I couldn't I couldn't personally do anything with it. The thing is, the scary thing is, um, the company that represents. Uh, I'm trying to think what big movies. Titanic. Who who made Titanic? James Cameron. Yes, James Cameron's company reached out to us, saw the comic, and they they were interested in it. Um, so he's always reaching out for sci-fi stuff. And I was like, cool. Problem is, I couldn't send the package within my IP directions. The company who was involved um, sent it. it. Yes. So I gave them the information. We didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. About three or four months later, I contacted a lady who reached out to us. And she's like, well, the company you're in with sent us this huge pile of stuff. It included like 30 or 40 different properties. Oh, and that's bad form. That, that they said so we we really just moved on and yeah yeah that, that was, company uh did you very badly because when someone when a production company asks i want to see this project you send that project if mm-hmm. you send them other projects they're like you're not professional we'll move on okay right and that's the trap you got caught in unfortunately it was there's an, and, another side to that where a production company like cameron's may um pick up five or six intellectual properties a year mm-hmm. knowing that they're not going to develop all of them. Right. But they'll do it for certain reasons. One like someone like Cameron's production company may say, I want to have five different things lined up so that James can decide on which project he wants to do next. Right. And then it'll quickly move into production knowing they can't do them all. Right. Other times Paramount um, pictures may buy up a property to keep it from going to 20th Century Fox. Yeah. Because Paramount has something slightly similar and they don't want your project to be picked up by anybody else. So they'll lowball you on your fee and you think, wow, Paramount wants me. Actually, they want to just keep you away from anyone else. Mm-hmm. You can yes. make some money in that situation, but you have to be careful. Like, how long are you signing away your property for? Right. How much can you trust that the people are sincerely interested? This is why you get things like a 30 year was out without seeing she or Kabuki, you know, right? you just right. don't know what was going on behind. I'm not, you know, saying anything that bad done by any of those companies, but you just never know what is going on behind the scenes or why things never actually wind up being made. Right. So it's, it's a gamble. You know, we, we, I've seen and talked to a lot of, people who got something license uh, option and they were so thrilled that I'm going to have a movie and it just never happens. And one thing you have to be careful of is a really low bowl offer on an option generally means they don't really care about it. Mm-hmm. If they're willing to spend more money on it, then they're more likely to get it made. Right. But what, but another thing you need to consider is a lot of it, Beginning writers, artists, you know, comic book creators have their one project that they put all of their time and effort into it. And their planning for this project makes Lord of the Rings look like a short story. <laughs> okay. So and in the introductory issues on issue number 87, <laughs> like, and I, I, I love the enthusiasm of people who have these incredibly complex fantasy worlds they built and the plots and the. But if you put so much effort into one project, let's say you do have lightning strike and someone options that, and it becomes a successful film or TV show. Right. What's the first thing the company's going to ask you after that? 
What else you got? Yeah, what else you got? Because uh-huh. you showed them something that can succeed, and yep. they're like, well, you can have, you know, you, you we know creators that have quite a few irons in the fire, okay? It yes. seems like to take it year after year, nothing happens, and boom, all of a sudden, they've got three or four projects in the works. Because if one hits, they're like, they want to go back to that well and say, there's got to be something else in there. So, but so many, so many creators have only one thing that they just pour their heart and soul in. Yeah, I, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, uh, Bob, you are not, you do not suffer from that syndrome. No, I do not. I do not. Not even close. <laughs> but, but. but that's a strength because you have, you can exercise your creative muscles in more than one way. Yes. Yes. And, and uh, I like to put myself between different genres too, you know, like writing novels to writing comics to whatever else that I'm working on the other five or six projects. Um, but so, yeah. it gives you more options. And when one thing does take off, there's other things that people can look into and say, well, what else have you got? You've got other options and other ideas. Right. Right. We will see. One of the things I want to say before we wrap up here, some people are so You can look at so many comic book properties and go, oh, look, they're trying to get a film made. They're trying to get a TV show made. (laughs) And sometimes it's fine because it would make a great film or TV show. And sometimes it just looks like pandering. Am I right? Yeah, there is. I mean, there's some good stuff that comes out of it. I I see more of it on the crowdfunding areas. Um, Some of these higher higher named creators and stuff are popping stuff out. And you're like, "Mm, are they really serious about this? Or is this just a one done, you know? Um, and yeah, they're to probably pa- shopping around pa- Hollywood to, as I say, pad the portfolio. Yes. Yes. They're shopping it around, but you know, some of them I support, I'll get on there. If, if the art looks good, story sounds decent. I'll jump in there and give it a shot. Just like I will at the shop, you know, it, it can be very good, but there are some that seem so hard to be writing a TV show script rather than write a comic book and really have the fully fleshed out imagination that Hollywood is actually looking for. Right. There's because a lot nowadays, um, even for a television budget, there's very little that can't be done, you know. I know. It's amazing what they're doing. But one thing you do need to keep, for, when you're building your own stable of intellectual properties, realize that television and film are looking for diverse projects. Right. And they want a diverse genres and diverse casts okay right if your cast is four white guys okay mm-hmm. you can stop you right there right because hollywood's been there done that okay yeah. on the other hand you don't pad your story with every possible minority and every possible cliche trying to say well i've covered it all okay right now you've got to come into a balance and but at the end of the day, if your story includes four white guys, four black guys, then you need to go tell that story because that's the story you want to tell. Whether you want to get an IP out of it or not, that's that's a second thing. It should be a second thing to what you want to do. But one thing you need to take a look at is like, okay, so these are my four characters, okay? And like, well, this character, okay, that's named Pat. Okay, well, could Pat be a woman? Or right? is there anything that intrinsically means that this character couldn't be played by a woman because you know rather than say well i didn't thought of it but is there things you can do to make your ideas 
a little bit more um, open to other interpretations. Right. Yeah. Be, because yeah, yeah, you kind of write what you know. You know, you're an average white guy. I want to write. You're writing average white guys, but like, well, maybe this character could be a woman. There's no. There's nothing that this character d- does or says that really couldn't be done by a female. Mm-hmm. So why not broaden the appeal? You know, of who is going to be interested in buying this? Right. I know. I agree. You know, I write two strong-willed women in Paradox Wars, so, you know, that's and, sort of been a journey I've been on for the past 20-plus years. But how do you think it would have affected the characters if you initially decided there was two guys? Would they have appealed to you as much? Would they have been as much of a challenge? I, I've had this conversation a few times. Probably not, because... Um, I think I, from a creator and writer, um, seem to write, I've had strong women in my life, my mother, grandmothers, everything. And so that's probably why I lean towards that way. Um, have no problems writing that type of character. So, um, I know in the novel works, it's different. There's more male characters and there's going to be male characters in the comics too. So we'll see, we'll see how it happens. We'll see how it rolls. I know plenty of female writers who write very strong male characters with oh, yes. no problem whatsoever. Okay. Mm, yeah. yeah. But when you are looking for things to be adapted into um, TV or film, you know, Hollywood is going to want to be able to have a variety, you know, of po- potential actors, actresses to cast in these roles. Okay. And that's one right. thing you have to also realize is like, well, maybe I could, they're going to make suggestions that are going to change it. Do I stick exactly to the way I wrote it? Or is some of the things they actually could be, they could work just fine. Right, right. Yep, I agree with you. So IPs can be fun. And there's all kinds of IPs. There's, you can take it in gaming. So you can have your comic published by somebody else. You can do movies. So let's be clear on when we're talking intellectual properties. We've sort of fallen on the whole taking it to movies because that's, that's a big thing right now. It is the big thing, I mean, um, mm-hmm. with, especially with streaming services. Okay. And so, but yeah, you're right. There are, there's more, you know. Put, um, the gaming industry, you know, both video game and board games are, are looking for intellectual properties. Okay. Right. Uh, there's the toy market. Pogs are mm-hmm. about to make a comeback any day now. What? I'm Mark ahead of the words. curve. Mark my words. Hey, I have Pogs on my Kickstarter right now. Okay. You heard it here first. Everything comes back around. I love it. The things, that, you know, I'm only slightly teasing everything you oh, bought. No. Like, oh, that was so dead. Okay, no, these things do come back. There is, I've, I just called up my Kickstarter, see if anybody's even picked up the reward for the Pogs. We we the, we have them, so we can fulfill the Pogs. And zero backers on the retro collector Pogs and trading cards. Ah, oh, they don't know that's, what they're missing. That's sort of sad. That's sort of sad. We have... But, we have, I have boxes of Pogs. I have, we found 50 complete sets where, where they went out and made complete sets of them, going through them all. So I'm like, let's do it out there. You know, we're not ashamed that we started back in the 90s. <laughs> no, the yeah. 90s are the rage right now. Yeah. You'd be surprised. So, see, but, Kickstarter but to, pledgers. Yeah. But to wrap up our IP story, yes. basically keep aware of the potential you have for selling in so many different markets. And realize you're going to give up some of the control, yes. And you have to 
weigh that. Like, how much is this project? How much control do I need? Because the first time you sell something, you're not going to be named executive producer. If you can show <laughs> something, some success, then you get more control. Okay. Right. But also, yeah, have more than one. I mean, stretch your wings, come up with some brand new characters and concepts that right. just right. to try out something that you didn't, you know, come up with a Western concept. Yes. Yes, definitely. You know, expand your wings and see what else you can do. Come up with a detective. See what else can, you know, happen. Okay. Put your own unique spin on it that makes it yours and makes you excited about it. Okay. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You never know what's going to catch. Okay. Uh, that's, and you never know how long it might take. So hang in there. That's true. It could be uh, 30 plus years. And, we, but then it doesn't mean, doesn't mean the game's over. No. Uh, thanks. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. Bye bye.